I want to speak to you for just a moment today on their only words. Would you say that with me? Their only words. There was a song that came out years ago. It said, they're only words, but words are all I have to steal your heart away. And I thought about that, they're only words. How many of you know that words have impact? That words carry power. And so whoever came up with the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, obviously didn't have a clue what he was talking about. Words hurt. Everybody say it with me, words hurt. How many of you have had somebody say something that hurt you? Raise your hand if you had. I'm not asking you to reveal who it was, so don't point fingers. But just hold it up if if you've ever had something that someone said that hurt you. You know, here's the deal is that sometimes people carry that hurt their entire life. I think the reason that sometimes words can be so damaging is because we don't understand how powerful words are. And if you don't have that understanding, then you end up saying things without thinking about what you're saying. I mean, how many of you have ever heard someone say, oh, you, you know, I, it, I, I cringe when I hear people talk to their children and say, you're so stupid. You're just, you're just an idiot. You're just like your daddy. You're just like your mama. Well, if you mean that in a negative sense, then what you're doing is you're creating obstacles for those children to have to overcome. Here's what we've got to get a hold of is this, is that words can not only hurt, but words can also build up. I mean, who among you hasn't seen Rocky? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) He's in that second fight and his wife gets sick and he won't train. He, he won't do anything. You know, Adrian didn't want him boxing. He didn't want him there. I know I'm probably out of the league for a lot of you guys, but go, go rent Rocky. It's a great series. And, uh, he's, he's, he's down and he's out and he, he won't apply himself. And when his wife finally comes to, she wakes up and she whispers to him and pulls him in. And she says, when and all it took was that word to build a fire in him and he started training and he won think about the impact that we can have if we take the time to encourage someone all it takes is a phone you know it used to be that to get to a phone was a challenge I know a lot of you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. I talked about a rotary phone the other day, and Jasmine said, what's that? What's a, you know, there used to be a black, a black phone that sat on your coffee table, and you could not put it in your hip pocket. And it had dial, and you dialed it, and it went, so it took you about five minutes to get the number in if you was dying long distance. And, and, you know, and you kept waiting for it, and especially if they had nines in it, you know. And, and so you, and, and so then if you were out traveling and you needed to call somebody, you had to find a payphone. And you're driving all over the place. Do you have a payphone? Is there a payphone around here? I remember when I was traveling, I used to keep a card with me, and and I'd I'd be looking all over the place to find a payphone to try and check in. And now I just keep it in my hip pocket. 
I can call not just you. I can call across the world. I can even FaceTime you. Problem is, most people won't answer it because they've got curlers in their hair. But we have the ability to strengthen, encourage, and build up if we seize it. Everybody say, seize the opportunity. Now, let me give you some scripture backing for what I'm saying. Proverbs 18 and 21, it says, death and life. Say that with me. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it eat its fruit. Well, pastor, what's that mean? Those who love it eat its fruit. Did you ever have to eat your words? So that's what the writer's saying. He's saying, you, whatever you speak out, you're going to end up having to feast on. So we've heard about getting our foot in our mouth, and I sure don't want to eat soul food. That kind, anyway. And so what we've got to do is we've got to learn that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Proverbs 25 and 11 said, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in pitchers of silver. What's it saying? It's saying you've got the ability to create something beautiful with your words. You can bring about death or you can bring about life. It says there's power in the tongue. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. The word power there means an open hand. In Hebrew, it indicates power and direction. So when you speak, you're, you, you have released power out of your mouth, and you're giving it direction on where it's going to go. Now, that direction and that power you release can do one or two things. It can build up or it can destroy for example, if a ruler of a country says bomb, then all of a sudden there's power that comes to that and there's destruction that comes with it. But if a ruler of a country says give, there's power that comes with that and there's blessing that comes with that. Now think about it. How many of you have ever heard that saying, a man is the king of his own castle? Come on, all you guys ought to, I ought to hear a hoorah. <laughs> king of my castle, king of my castle. Well, you, how many of you ever had the lady that takes care of the castle tell you, pick up your stuff? <laughs> your castle's getting dirty. <laughs> So here's, here's what you have to understand. If we're the king of our castle, then our words have the power to bring, to build that castle up or to tear it down. And so what we choose to speak is either going to build our lives or it's going to tear our lives down. Proverbs 6 and 2 said, you are snared by the words of your mouth. You're taken by the words of your mouth. To say the, the word taken there means to catch in a trap or to ensnare a, a, a pit. How many of you have ever said something as soon as you said it, you went, oh, gosh, I wish I hadn't said that. Snared by the words of our mouth. There's a story of a young man. This happened in 1923. This is a true story. He was a young man, and he was traveling abroad. He was from Wales. And as he was traveling, he got very homesick in a large group of uh, elderly 
missionary ladies decided that they were going to throw a tea party for him. So, you know, him being from Wales and all that, they knew he liked tea, so they were going to throw a tea party for him to try and make him feel better so he wouldn't be so lonely and homesick. And the, so they had the party, and he was just enthralled. He was, he was so blessed by the party. And at the end of the party, they asked him if he would to say a word, you know, uh, to them. And he got up and he said, what language is there to describe my gratitude? What word can, my, can describe my feelings? And then all of a sudden, with a burst of enthusiasm, he thundered, I know just the word. You are the most homely women I have ever met. And it got real quiet. And he realized that the definition for homely in Wales was not the definition for that word where he was. See, homely in Wales meant wholesome, gracious, kind, loving, and motherly. But when he released it out there, it didn't fly. How many of you late? Well, never mind. I'm not even, I don't even have to ask that question. But, you know, if somebody calls you homely, that's not going to get you to stand up and, oh, thank you, thank you. Words. Now, what if he had said, you're the most gracious women and the most kind women and the most motherly women that I've ever met. And thank you so much for what you've done. It's important that we're able to communicate and have that communication understood. How many of you have ever played that game where you whisper something in somebody's ear and by the time it gets to the end, it's completely changed the meaning? And so we have to learn how to communicate in such a way that people know what we're saying. I thought about what the scripture says in Matthew 12 and 36. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, or by your words you will be condemned. In the message, it kind of says that a little bit plainer, and this is what it says in the message. Let me tell you something. Every one of these careless words is going to come back to haunt you. There will be a time of reckoning. Words are powerful. Take them seriously. Words can be your salvation, or words can also be your damnation. Everybody say it with me, words. Have you ever gotten into an argument with a friend or, or, or a family member or something, you know, and in the heat of it, you, all of a sudden you, you start to say something and you're checked. And that check in your spirit is the Lord. And, and, and he's saying, don't say that. You're going to regret saying that, but you're so angry at the moment. What happens to water when it begins to boil over, boil in a teapot? It whistles. It can't keep its mouth shut, right? All of a sudden, you know, you turn that water on in a teapot and it's just not just boiling, but it's got to cry out. And sometimes we fall into that trap. And so as it begins to boil on the inside, instead of holding back, we release it. And once we release it, it's like a rock that's thrown. Once it leaves your hand, the damage is done. So you need to think seriously before you let it go. How many times have we been hurt by a word? 
And then to have, you know, especially with husbands and wives, and, and you know, we, we, we tend to, uh, if we're not careful, we're more free with what we say to each other than we would be what we say to someone else. And if we're not careful, we can inflict damage on relationship that we never intended to do. So we need to guard what we say. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, they're not just words. Let me give you an example of how words can affect. You can build up or you can take down. When Thomas Edison was in school, how many of you remember Thomas Edison? You know, that's the light we're setting underneath. You remember him? <laughs> Used to be your next door neighbor. No, I'm kidding. So we, we know who Thomas Edison is, and here's what happened. When Thomas Edison went to school, the teachers told him he was addled, that he wasn't capable of learning, and he sent him home. And that could have destroyed that child. But his mama looked at him and said, what do they know about raising a genius? And so his mama began to pour into him and encourage him. And Thomas wanted to experiment. And instead of trying to hold him back, she empowered him with her words and his talent and the gifting that God gave him began to grow. Amen. We need to encourage each other. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, stir up the gift that's in you. That there's a gift there. That's what coaches do with teams. They try and look at the team and see their strengths. And then they begin to speak to that strength and try and get it stirred up on the court. Because when everybody is playing at their best level, you become an unstoppable force. When the church comes together and we're encouraging one another and we're building each other up and we're talking to one another and saying, God has got his hand on your life. He's going to equip you and empower you and great things are ahead of you. Then all of a sudden we begin to believe what we're hearing and we step up into what's been spoken. Amen. But if we're constantly downgrading and belittling and, and, and putting down, then that's why bullying in school is a real deal. Let me tell you something. If somebody's bullying you on Facebook, I've got the answer for you. Get off of Facebook. Why in the world would you get on Facebook and read a bunch of negative stuff about you? Just get off of Facebook. It's kind of like me going to a place, you know, well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm next month I'm going to go visit a church, you know, then I'm, I'm going to preach there because they, they hate me down there and they just really, you know, they, they despise me. So I'm going to go down there because I really like to expose myself to all that. It ain't going to happen. But when you've been someplace where you, you feel like you're celebrated, guess what happens? It causes what God's put in you to come out of you. And then all of a sudden you begin to see things take place that you normally wouldn't see happen because somebody is building you up. Amen. So because Tom's mother believed in him, he caused him to believe in himself. And we've got light now, light bulbs. In the book of Daniel, chapter 10 and verse 12, it said, let me, let me set this up for you before I read this. Daniel has been praying because he, he feels that something's happening, that something's going on, and, and 
he's seen something and he's trying to get understanding from it and he can't get understanding and he sets himself to begin to fast and pray. We've been doing a 40-day circle of prayer. And so every morning at 714, the church as a unit comes together and begins to pray. Some, some of us have even got little uh, text groups that are going on and we just send a hand of that to show that we're praying and then I put my phone on silent so I don't hear beep, 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 beep coming in. So I, I, just, I just set the text that, that, hey, I'm with you, we're together here. And then we go together and we've circled something in our prayer. And do you know one of the things that we circled was that God would protect our military. And there was a bombing in Iraq and not one soldier was hurt. So prayer works. Prayer works. We got to keep praying. We've got to keep building up. So Daniel's got this going on. He's praying three weeks, 21 days he's been praying. And all of a sudden, an angel comes to him. And this is what the angel says to him. Then he said unto me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself before God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. Say it with me. I am come for your words. That's what the angel told him. I have come for your words. Look at the book of Hebrews chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. It says, but to which of the angels has he ever said, set it in my right hand till I make your enemies, or till I make your enemies your footstool? Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? Everybody say angels, ministering spirits. To who? To us. Now, if you look up the word angel and you look at its definition, it's a messenger. So angels are messengers by nature. Let me say it to you this way. Angels carry your words. The angel told Daniel, I've come for your words. So an angel of God takes what you say and it carries it to your furthest good. It tries to take the word that you're declaring, like that you're speaking, that you're announcing, that you're pronouncing and proclaiming. It grabs a hold of that word and carries it to the utmost good it can bring from it. But God's angels in heaven are not the only angels that exist. The Bible tells us that there were a third of the angels that fell, that followed Satan. They've kept that nature. They carry your words. So let me leave something for your consideration. If an angel of God is taking your word and trying to use it for your utmost good, what do you think an, a fallen angel is doing with your words? It's trying to seize your words and use it to destroy you. We used to sing a song that said, be careful little mouth what you say. For the father up above, he's looking down in love, so be careful little mouth what you say. There's a reason you ought to be careful what you say because angels or spirits will grab hold of your words and carry them. You say, oh, come on. You, I just showed you that the angel told Daniel, 
I've come for your words. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus says he's getting ready to go to Calvary. He's, he's getting ready to, to enter into his passion, his suffering. He's getting ready to face Calvary, and he's speaking with his disciples. And this is what he tells his disciples in John 14 and 30. I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming, and he has nothing in me. What's Jesus saying? Jesus is saying, guys... I'm going to be real careful what I say from here on out. I'm not going to talk much with you because there's an enemy that would love to seize hold of anything I say. He said, the prince of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. Don't give the devil ammunition to use against you. Let your words be few. The Bible said that a wise man does what? He keeps it in till afterwards. A fool utters his mouth, but a wise man keeps it in till afterwards. In other words, he's going to stop and think before he says it. How many of you in here have ever wished you'd have kept it in till afterwards? Anybody besides me? <laughs> I mean, sometimes it just came out like that, and I thought, oh, God, you know, and I'm trying to reel it back in, and it's too late. It's out there flopping on the line. And so we've got to guard what we're saying. Let me show you the, the, the power and the impact that words have. If you would, pull up for me the video for the rice experiment. This was an experiment that was conducted by a researcher in Japan, and listen to what he Dr. did. Watch Emoto what happened. has conducted another interesting experiment. He placed rice into three glass beakers and covered it with water. And then every day for a month, he said, thank you to one beaker. You're an idiot to the second. And the third one, he completely ignored. After one month, the rice that had been thanked began to ferment, giving off a strong, pleasant aroma. The rice in the second beaker turned black. And the rice that was ignored began to rot. Dr. Emoto thinks that this experiment provides an important lesson, especially with regard to how we treat children. We should take care of them, give them attention, and converse with them. Indifference does the greatest harm. That's good. So, the one he said thank you to began to ferment and gave off a sweet aroma. The one he said you're an idiot to turned black, and the one that he completely ignored started to rot. What's that tell you about the power of words? Do you know that we're made up of more than 70% water? I want you to understand that when you speak something, it has an impact. Take a look at these sli slides real quick. Throw that picture up if you would. The, these are drops of water that were spoken over and then frozen. The first one 
they said thank you to. Look at the form of it, how its shape is and and how it crystallized and the beauty of it. The second one, somebody read that for me. Wisdom. The second one said wisdom. The other one said go get your glasses. The, the third one said truth. The fourth one eternal. The fifth one an angel. The second one said I love you. Look at that. Isn't that beautiful? Everybody say it one time. I love you. Say it one more time. I love you. Turn around and look at, well, no, never mind. This, the next one said peace and, and look at its beauty. Now, look at the next one that said you fool. All this is from the same water. And when it was spoken to and it said you fool, look at the shape that it took on. The next one, what does that say? You make me sick. It looks like somebody got sick. The next one says evil. The next one is polluted water. And the next slide, the last slide, is the water after somebody prayed over it. An inanimate object, water. And when you speak to it, it changed its structure. So what do you ha think happens when you speak to a child that is 70% water? What do you think happens? Do you, here's what we forget is that God made us in his image. So there's something about us, there's something unique about us that we don't just respond to the environment around us, my friend. We respond to words. He said, let there be light, and there was light. The whole creation responded to a word. We're part of that creation. We respond to that. So we've got to guard what we say. Isaiah 42 and 9, behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. What's the prophet saying? This is from the Lord. He's saying, I'm, I, I'm declaring a new thing over you. Somebody say it with me. I'm declaring a new thing. See, we keep rehearsing the old stuff. We keep rehearsing old hurts and, 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 and old words and things that we've been through. But at some point in your life, you've got to quit looking back and start looking up and saying, God, I declare a thing. I'm standing on your promise. This is what you said about me. I don't care what they said. This is what you said, and I'm going to believe what you said. Amen. Words matter. Words have impact. Words make a difference. We've got to learn how to declare a word over ourselves and our families. In Isaiah 55, 8 to 11, listen to this. I don't think the way you think. This is God speaking. I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work. For as the sky soars high above earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back until they've watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come out of my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work that I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. Now, Genesis 1 and 27 said that God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. Created in his image, that means resemblance, hence a representative. So if God's words carry power and I'm made in the image and the likeness of God, then so do my words carry power. Is anybody in the house today? I said, your words carry power. Now think about this. If, if I'm not, if, if words carry power, then I need to learn how to use them. Because if you put an extremely sharp sword into someone's hand that's very careless, somebody's getting ready to get hurt. Our little granddaughter, she'll be two in February, February the 4th. So she, she didn't say my name for a long time. She said, Papa, she said, Mama, she said, huh? No, what did I say? No, she said, Daddy, I'm sorry. She didn't say Papa. I was wishing for things. I'm declaring something. She, she didn't say, Papa, she said, Daddy, she said, Mom, or Mama, she said, Nana. Yeah, I got it, I got it, I'm, I'm telling them. She's over there going, she said, Nana, she said, Nana. And I kept thinking, and I could not get her to say Papa. And so I would, I, I would, I would hold her, and I'd look at her, and I'd just go, say Papa, say Papa. She, she wouldn't do it. But the time came when she said Papa. And guess how she said it? She said, Papa. <laughs> so she may have waited a while to say my name, but friend, when she says it, everybody knows it. <laughs> Papa. Why? Because whatever you're pouring into them is going to come out of them. And so we've celebrated her. Guess what happens when we come to the house? She celebrates us. She runs to the door, and when she sees us at the door, she goes like this. She goes, I, I went to see her Tuesday, and she came to the door, and she goes, <laughs> Papa, Papa, she's at the door. She's looking at me through the window. She goes, Papa, Papa. They opened the door and she took off running. <laughs> when Nana comes, when Debbie goes to the door, she looks and she goes, oh, Nana, Nana, Nana. They open the door, she runs and jumps in her arms. I don't know what she's done. I don't know what she said, but there's a reason that girl's running for me. No, she, she wants me to chase her. Think about that. If a two-year-old, can feel affirmation, can feel loved, can understand that she's celebrated, how much more can you and I? But we need someone to be willing to pour it into us. Everybody say, just, just say it. <laughs> Listen, Isaiah 57 and 19, he said, I create the fruit of the lips. Do you understand? That's what, that's what God said concerning his word in Isaiah 58, he said, my words don't come back empty-handed. They do what I sent them to do, and they complete the assignment I gave them. Then Isaiah 57 and 19, he says, I create the fruit of the lips. So if you stand up and say, man, ain't nothing ever going right. I'm, I'm never going to get out of this mess. It's always bad. Guess what happened? You just created your future. But if you stand up and you begin to say, you know what, I praise God because he's got great things in store for me. There's a new day coming. I'm, I'm in the midst of a breakthrough. I'm going to do it. I can. Then you're going to respond that way. In Job 22, 28, he said, you will also decide and decree a thing. And it will be established for you. 
And the light of God's favor will shine upon your ways. Now, if, if the scripture's telling us that you will decide and decree a thing and it will be established, don't you think you ought to decide? <laughs> don't you think you ought to decide and decree it? When I decided that I liked Debbie, I decreed it. I gave her my ring. She wore it around her neck. Didn't you? Oh, she wore it on her finger. She wore it on her finger. She wrapped the yarn around it and put it on her finger. But I was decreeing something. I'm saying, you're mine. God has decreed over your life that you are the apple of his eye. Don't you think you ought to decree something now and begin, just begin to return his word to him? How do you do that? When you speak his word back to him. Why don't you just stand up and tell God, I thank you, Father, that I'm the apple of your eye. And do you know what you're doing when you do that? You're not just letting God know it, but you're letting the devil know it. You're giving God the permission to come in and seize and build around you. The devil couldn't get to Job. He told God, he said, you've built a wall around him. I can't get to him. God said, look, I know his love is so real that I'm going to take the wall down and let you touch him, but you can't take his life. How real is our love for God? When things around us start going bad, do we throw up our hands and walk off? When things don't go the way that we thought they ought to, do we give up? Do we throw in the towel? When you're in a game and you're behind, do you give up or do you get up and say, they hadn't seen anything yet? Amen. I've been holding back, but I'm getting ready to put a whammy on them right now. Amen. I'm, I'm going to let them know I showed up. We've got to get it in our mind before we can get it in our spirit. Amen. Everybody say, words matter. In one study, they, they just put notes on the jars. They put love, and I think they put hate, and they put another note, and those words that they put on the jars, and guess what happened? The same thing. They didn't speak to it. They just put the word on it. I got to thinking about that, and I thought, man, if just a word taped on a jar had an impact on what was in that jar, maybe that's why Paul told us to think on whatsoever things are pure and holy and just and of a good report. What was he saying? He's saying because whatever gets in your head is going to begin to affect your life. How many of you ready for God to get in your head? Amen. Uh, amen? Go ahead and stand with me. <clears throat> It's time for us to have an impact with our words. Now, I'm, I'm going to do a demonstration, so don't anybody take this person. Matter of fact, let me not even do it like that because even just, let me throw that thing to me. It's getting ready to wither up here. If, I, if, I, if I'm directing hostility toward 
an individual. Think about this. When he directed it toward rice in a beaker with water, it had an impact on it. So if I spend my day telling someone, well, let me, just, let me just use this. You remember the story I told you about the boy in Texas couldn't get a job? And his pastor couldn't figure out why? Because he was so intelligent, he was so smart and so sharp, and he went in for another interview, and when he came out of that interview, once again, he came away with no job. The pastor asked him, he said, I want you to sit down and tell me exactly what happened. You go step by step what happened. He said, well, I got up that day and I put on a suit and a tie and I went in for the interview. He said, when I got downtown, I sat down in the office with all the other applicants waiting my turn. And he said, and then I heard my father's voice. The pastor looked at him and said, you, you did what? He said, Pastor, I need to explain something. He said, when I was a boy, my dad was an A1 mechanic and he wanted nothing more than that I would become a mechanic like he was. He said, he used to take me to the shop with me. He said, when I was five years old, he took me down to his shop. He was working on a vehicle and he was under a creeper and he asked me for a tool. He called out the tool's name. I think he, he asked him for a boxed in wrench or something and he gave him an open end. And, and, and he said, when I handed him that tool, he slid out from underneath that creeper, looked at that tool, slung it across the room and said, you're so stupid, you're never going to amount to anything. He said, Pastor, when I was sitting in there waiting to be interviewed, I heard my father's voice reminding me I'm so stupid that I'm never going to amount to anything. He said, so I got up and left. I never, I never went through the interview. Those words had been affecting that young man his entire life. I talked with people that were in their 70s after preaching a message like this when I was traveling, talked to them and they told about how words had affected them that their parents had said and they were still living with them. And that pastor took that young man and he looked at him and he said, son, I want you to hear what I'm going to say. You are not who your earthly father said you are. You are who your heavenly father said you are. You are not stupid. You're not ignorant. You're intelligent. You're you're going to excel you're going to do well and he began to bless that boy and speak into him within a week that boy had a great job and he's been excelling ever since why because somebody finally spoke a word of life into him you have the ability to do that relationship builds according to your words I was ministering this and I had a pastor come to me after it was over. I was in a conference of pastors and they'd asked me to teach and I taught a lesson like this and he came up to me with tears in his eyes and he said, I wish I'd heard this message 30 years ago because even as a pastor, he had taunted his children. He'd spoken down to them. He'd always told them they're stupid or, oh, you're crazy. You little devil. And I looked at him and I said, it's never too late to cancel a harvest and to re-sow a field. The words I'm sorry are powerful words if they're used the right way. So if I'm willing to say I'm sorry, 
that I said something that hurt you. It's a young lady that we knew and Debbie had encouraged her to speak to her father. They'd been away from, they, they had nothing to do with each other. And so she finally found the courage to go and talk to her father about what he'd done. And as she began to talk to him and said, Dad, I'm sorry I'm not the daughter you wanted. He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, you always told me I was stupid. You always said I was fat. And you always said all this stuff. He said, I never said that to you. She said, yes, you did, Dad. You said it all the time. And all of a sudden, the man's head dropped. And he looked up at her and he said, my father said the same thing to me. We're not careful. We're letting cursing pass from generation to generation. And it's time to stop those words. It's time to release a new harvest. So today, we're going to declare a thing. Today, we're going to proclaim a thing. Today, God is going to create the fruit of our lips. Are you ready for that to happen? Come up with me right now. Just move to the front as quickly as you can. If, you, if you're here with family, bring family. If you're not here with family, just bring a friend. Step up, bring a friend. Well, what are you getting ready to do? We're getting ready to have an exercise with words. Everybody, are you ready? I guess if you want to, we could start out with some calisthenics. Words, everybody say words. So here we go. Now, this may make you feel uncomfortable. And if it does, I apologize in advance but it's a good thing that you're uncomfortable. Because see, we need to get out of our comfort zone. Yes. How many of you ladies get a little upset if your husband gets in a comfort zone where he comes in, sets back, turns television on, starts flipping through TV programs and he's not communicating. So what happens is you try and get his attention. We've got no idea how our life can change if we start speaking the right thing. Well, how am I supposed to know what to speak? <laughs> There's a whole book filled with it. But pastor, I don't know where anything's at in there. You see us, at, LaDonna, come up here real quick. Stand up here, hold your hand up. Say, my name's LaDonna and I'm here to give you some words. So if you don't know where it's at, when this, service is over with today see LaDonna she's going to give you a promise book that is filled with the promise of God's Word you begin to take that and study it you begin to speak it out loud so you hear it because faith cometh by hearing and hearing what the Word of God. See, our faith has been fashioned by what we've heard people say about us, but by what we've heard people declare over us and proclaim over us. I'm here to tell you that it's 2020, it's a new day, it's a clear vision, and God is going to do for you what you've desired for Him to do your whole life, and that's to work in you and through you. So are you ready? Grab your neighbor by the hand. Come up here, I'm gonna use your praise team. Come on up, I'm gonna let you exercise. We do this by example. So grab somebody's hand. And this is what I want you to do. 
Yeah, no, grab, grab each other's hands. Are you ready? This is what we're going to do. You're going to grab someone's hand. Now, you may have to do this twice. And you say, well, man, I'm holding hands with a complete stranger. Just say something good about him. What, what do you mean? What do you mean just say something good? Well, we don't hesitate when we want to say something trashy, do we? We don't hesitate when we're going to criticize. Oh, I can't believe they wore that. I can't believe they got those on. What kind of shoes are those? What kind of, are you with me? So if we can do that, then surely the goodness I can look at you and find, hey, I like your hair, man. I don't know what color that is, but I may get that myself. <laughs> Just speak a word and declare life over them. And here's the deal is tell them what God thinks about them. Because I can tell you what God thinks. God thinks you're wonderful. God's got, if God's got a wallet, your picture's in it. You are the apple of his eye. He loves you, he believes in you. He's got a purpose and a plan for your life. Are you ready? Here we go. Take him, turn around, look at him. Begin to speak this word with me. I just want you to know that I see good things in you, that there's great promise in your life, that God's hand is on you and his word is in you and he's going to stir that word up and he's going to use you this year like you've never been used before. There's a multiplying coming into your life. You're going to feel it increase like you've never felt before. All right, now raise your hands to heaven and say, I receive it, God. I receive it, God, in Jesus' name. Come on, as they sing it, give me a hand clap of praise I in this house. We'll call upon the Lord for He alone is strong enough to service I'm going to declare a word over you I cancel any bad words that have been sown into your life those words that you heard that hurt you that tried to destroy you that pulled you down I'm telling you that they were a lie out of the pit of hell and that is not who you are it's not what God thinks about you and God's got a plan for you. He's got a hope for you and your future. And it's good and not evil. He's going to build you up and not tear you down. Those things that you've been struggling with that try and hold on to your life and that try and keep you from being able to move forward today in the name of Jesus, those things will not hold you any longer. No addiction, no habit, no life fear, no doubt. They're coming off of you now in Jesus' name. You're going to rise up and recognize that you're the head and not the tail, that you're above and not beneath, that you're a child of God. That means you're a king's kid. So you're going to walk like a king's kid. You're going to talk like a king's kid. You're going to act like a king's kid. And you're going to walk into the life that God had prepared for you from the very beginning. In Jesus' name, I declare it now. Come on, raise those hands and love him with me. Jesus Come up here just a second. Just stretch your hands down. Look. Hold, 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 hold. 
hold your hands up. I don't know what your name is, but I want you to look at me for a second. Because there have been clouds of doubt that have surrounded you. It's like I see these walls closing in on you. There are times that you felt like, man, I'm never going to escape this. I'm not going to be able to get out of it. But there was a time in your life when things weren't like that. There was a time in your life where there was hope, when you, where you looked to God, actually. And, and it seems like somehow in the process, it, you've let that slip from you. God's bringing it back right now. You're not going to live in the shadow any longer. God is breaking. Am I telling you the truth today? God is breaking that chain in Jesus name God I give you break every freedom is ours when we break it now break it now I give you praise Lord Father there it goes there it goes in Jesus name I praise you I praise you Father come on can you love him can you love him come here come on come on over there just stretch your hands to heaven Come and stand with him. This is what I want you to get. It's not about, it's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. Yeah. If we were to dig down into the lives of any individual in here, we would find bad places, places that none of us wanted to be. But just because you wound up in a place doesn't mean you have to live in that place. You can choose to move out. You can choose to say, God, not me, not my house, not any longer. Are you ready for that to happen? Stretch your hands to heaven. Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus. I want you to do. Look, we've been meeting at 714 in prayer every morning, wherever we're at. It doesn't matter where we're at. At 714, we've been going to our knees together, and it's been a great feeling. I know you're praying. I feel it. Uh, we've seen it when I was praying this week, and then the Lord reminded me that then in that airstrike that those lives were preserved, and I thought, God, you've answered prayer. Let's give him a hand clap for that. So... I'm going to add something into your circle. And that's that you begin to declare life over your family and over your children, over your spouse and over your friends. What do you mean declare life? I'm talking about just take time and begin to pray and say, God, I'm asking your blessing on them. I'm praying that you stir your word up inside of them, that you help them know that they matter, that they have worth, that they count, and that they're special. And then, everybody go, and then, send them a text sometime during that day. It can be something as simple as, you're special. It can be something like, I believe in you. You're loved. 
you're blessed. God's hand is on your life. Send an emoji of power. And just let them know that that means that things are getting ready to explode in their life, not that their car is going to blow up. (laughs) Just let them know. Because you have no idea how many times they may go back to that and remember that somebody believes in me. Today, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You are blessed of God. You, my friend, have been created in the image of God, which means that your words have power. So you declare those things over your life and begin to speak your way into God's presence and God's promise. In the name of Jesus, amen. You're dismissed. God bless you. We love you.